0: This is a podcast from Seven Vineyard. If you've come since we arrived, first of all, my name's Owen. Welcome. It's great to have you with us. So pleased you could join us this morning. And if you're watching online since we started, you're so welcome as well. Um, and uh, welcome to our new little layout this week. We hope you like it. We'll see. We'll try it for a few weeks, see what the feedback is. So do tell us how you feel about it. Um, now, are you enjoying the autumn? it's yes, quite nice. I, I, in my triplet, we were talking about it this week, and I said, didn't I, Rick, that I was going to... I was going to live in the moment and try and appreciate the autumn and watch the colours. So we were out on the golf course yesterday, and uh, just looking at some beautiful oaks just starting to turn a different colour. It was beautiful. Uh, I always feel like autumn for me passes me by because I'm just like this term just feels a bit manic, and uh, it's just really nice just to kind of just pause for a moment and enjoy the colour of the autumn. So if you if you're uh, if you've not thought about doing that, let that be a prompt to do so. Um, now. I'm sure you'll agree that you would expect a church to be contributing to your spiritual health. And um, the question I have been asking through this little box set series of talks is, do you expect a church to be talking to you about your emotional health as well? And I think the answer to that question is yes and no. Uh, Yes uh, uh, and no. No, no, because there are some complex and persistent emotional problems that we all carry from time to time in our lives that we actually need some professional assistance with. Uh, you'll probably know I'm a physiotherapist and I've got training and background and skills that people come to me for help with their physical needs because they haven't got those, uh, that experience and skill themselves. However, there's lots that all of us uh, can do, uh, which is just common sense to stay healthy and strong. Uh, you know things like stretching, things like exercising. There's, there's there's kind of good advice that we can all pass on to one another from time to time, right? So, um, emotional health is a bit like that. And as much that yes, sometimes we do need uh, we do need the help of a professional, a counselor or a psychologist. But but there is lots that we can get from one another. And so the idea being that as a as families, as friends, and as a church like this, we can help one another with our emotional health as well and there's lots of ways that we can do that. Um, now one of the keys to emotional health is acknowledging pain and loss and, um, and acknowledging pain and loss is not an easy, is not an easy thing to talk about. Um, not only are we contemplating that particularly this week because of the headlines and the news but also just personally. So some of us will be in the room right now and we are carrying loss and grief and pain. Um, uh, I, I lost my dad in 2019. Um, he had a massive stroke in December uh, of 2018 and uh, was discharged home to to die. Um, and he uh, was in a hospital bed in the dining room that was the dining room, became his bedroom for a short while. Um, the hospital bed, there was a team of helpers, as assistants that came in four times a day to attend to his basic needs. My mum attended to his needs. And over that period from December, January through to May, uh, Claire and I would go to visit him in Cheshire uh, to give my mum some respite, just some, some help so that she could um, she get, get a nice sleep. Um, so uh, we went up quite a few times to help with that. And we'd sit with him all night long and... Just remember it just being a really traumatic time for everyone, you know. He completely lost all of his physical and cognitive abilities, he laid in his bed um, staring into nothing. Occasionally we'd uh, be able to get his attention um, by calling his name and he would respond with some sort of noise or grunt, but that was it. His arm, his right arm used to just, because uh, he'd had such a dense stroke, his right arm just used to fling backwards and forwards like this, all night long, just didn't stop. And when he got agitated, it got worse, and when he was more peaceful, it slowed down a little bit. And I remember sitting there watching him, uh, thinking to myself, you know, just how awful and tragic it is to lose your, your cognitive and physical ability like that. And uh, it was traumatic, and, and that loss uh, uh, changed us as a family. Um, it stays with us as a family um, and of course his friends as well because loss never completely leaves us Um, there's um, there's a chap that wrote this quote uh, called Jerry Sitzer he wrote about the tragic car accident that killed his wife and his four-year-old daughter and his mother and with searing authenticity he wrote catastrophic loss by definition precludes recovery It will transform us or destroy us, but it will never leave us the same. There is no going back to the past. I did not get over my loved ones. Rather, I absorbed the loss into my life until it became part of who I am. And sorrow took up permanent residence in my soul and enlarged it. Psychologists think that uh, pain and trauma and loss stays with us. It doesn't leave us it fundamentally changes us. And the question we should ask ourselves, therefore, is how do we absorb that? How do we respond to that? Do we just try and bury it and forget it and put it into the back of our minds? Well, many of us do that, and at times I have as well. But the trouble with that approach is is that that loss still affects us. It just comes out in uncontrolled and unhelpful ways, particularly when we're under stress. The other option is to allow ourselves to embrace that pain and loss, to process it, reflect on it and talk about it and try and understand why we are different because of it. In my triplet with Rick and Kevin, uh, on a fortnightly basis, we talk about these sorts of things. and uh, We were just talking the other day about how pain and loss has affected us. And we agreed that we would talk about it more because we know that we need to. And, uh, and so we're going to do more of that in the weeks and months to come. You see, we often suck up pain and loss. You know, we, we, have, we have phrases for, oh, just suck it up, you know, kind of get over it, pull yourself together. And whilst few people would be as insensitive to say that in response to the loss of a loved one, we do say that about everyday losses that we experience on a day-to-day basis. Um, and the question is, should we ignore those losses? Because they can stack up over time. So, for example, you may have a dear friend who gossips about you and that never gets challenged or you never have an honest conversation about it and then that impacts on, the, on your relationship and the way you feel about them. You may have a coworker who you thought had your back but then one, one day when your boss is critiquing you in a meeting they, they don't back you up, even though they could. You may have a neighbour uh, who is making unreasonable demands on you. Maybe it's something to do with a fence or or something to do with a party wall or something like that. And you used to have a good relationship and now that has soured and it just hangs over you every day you walk out of your house. This stuff creates stress and anxiety and we don't necessarily label it as loss and grief and pain, yet it can have a similar effect on our emotional health. But it's not just negative experiences like that, positive experiences can build as well and and we can just depress them and push them down into our lives and not acknowledge the impact that it has on our emotional health so you may be a student and you've left home and this is a good thing it's a good thing you've gone to university our, our son is our eldest is now at university we are not heard from him for four weeks having an amazing time no doubt uh, well we have heard from him not a lot not as much as we normally would um and you know just that the, there's a sense of loss you're missing home a bit you know um you know, you're missing your friends from home. Perhaps you're missing that interaction with your parents, and you know, it's there, but you're just thinking, "Well, I just need to depress that, just push it down." Uh, or maybe, maybe you're in a situation where you've got you've got to shift into a new career, maybe a new employer, and maybe a new department, and that's all positive, but you're still missing the people you used to work with, um, the culture of your previous employer. You know, there's something about. The move, which was positive, but it was also a change for you and had a, has had an effect on your emotional health. You may have, um, have children and they've grown up and they're, you're empty nesters now and you've, your children have moved in to live independently and you're living without them and that's a loss in your life. It's a good thing, but it's a loss. You, maybe you decide to retire and move to a new area. That's a, a great thing. It's a positive thing, but it's a new life, it's new friendships, new neighbourhood. And those things can build up in our lives. They can get stacked up, they can go unnamed, unprocessed. And as a result, they can impact our emotional health. And we're not even aware of it. So I want to ask you a question. What losses have you got in your life that are stacked up? What have you not addressed? What have you not acknowledged? What have you not embraced? And what is stacked up? And I'm not talking about big losses like the loss of a loved one or something like that I'm talking about those things that we've just discussed those are the things that often stack up in our lives and we don't actually talk about them how much pain and loss is buried in us and how is that affecting our emotional and therefore our spiritual health one of the troubles with facing um, these sorts of things is the cost of it to us so you know just the cost of sharing, talking about um, the losses in my life with, with the guys in my triplet, that, that's going to take effort. It's going to take reflection, it's going to take time. It's going to take an emotional cost, because I will feel vulnerable, perhaps even silly, sharing stuff with people. Um, or maybe it's a conversation you need to have with someone, and it's just like, I, I'm not sure I've got the energy to do this. I've not necessarily got the time to do it. Or perhaps it's, it's thinking, do you know what, I really do need to talk to a trained counsellor. Um, I really should. I, I remember a few years back, I, I, we'd had a bit of a traumatic time and I thought to myself, and I spoke to a friend who's a counsellor, I, th- I said, I think I probably need to take some time to talk to a counsellor. And did I do it? No. And in some ways I processed some of that stuff because the triplet's been really helpful for me for that, but, but the reality is, is that I didn't do it because I didn't have the money, I didn't have the time. I didn't have the emotional energy because it costs, it's costly to go and see a counsellor because you start to open stuff up. But we need to do it. We need to do it if we're going to be emotionally healthy and spiritually healthy. Because I want to suggest to you that your spiritual health will never outpace your emotional health. So don't try and be spiritual and, and, and upright and godly if you haven't de- dealt with your emotional health. Um, unfortunately, you will look like one of the Pharisees and if you remember Jesus spoke quite crossly with the Pharisees, accusing them of being hypocrites, because whilst they sorted everything out on the outside, on the inside they were a mess. And that's just where we end up if we don't deal with our emotional health before we deal with our spiritual health. You can do both at the same time, (laughs) but it's important to focus on our emotional health. Now if you want an example from the Bible with this, and I know many of us really do base our our lives on the teachings of the Bible, I can think of no better example than the Psalm 42. So we're just going to read a few lines from there. Psalm 42, verses 1 to 4. As the deer pants pants for water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food, day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise amongst the festive throng. I say to God my rock, this is verse 9, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? It's actually a repetitive um, refrain right through Psalm 42. And scholars think that uh, this was written by King David, the greatest of the Israeli kings. And he's clearly experienced some sort of loss here. Now, Scholars think there are two occasions where he experienced great loss in his life. Um, One was when his mentor, King Saul, the previous king, was trying to kill him. Uh, They'd been best friends, they'd been mentor and mentee, and the relationship had crashed to the extent that this person, Saul, was trying to kill David, and he's hiding out in a cave. Um, there's another occasion in his life where he's also betrayed by his eldest son, Absalom. And Absalom uh, basically stages a coup d'etat and tries to take over the kingdom and puts a death order out on his own father. And so David's on the run. So some, some, somewhere here, David is on the run and has been betrayed by those closest to him. Hugely emotional pain. And at the, one of these points, David writes his psalm and he He's just reflecting on the fact he used to go up with the citizens of Israel to worship God. It could have been Shiloh. It could have been Jerusalem itself. And he loved it. He loved to go and worship God. And he was looking forward to it. But now he's hiding out. He's on the run. He's hiding from his enemies. He thinks he's going to be killed. He's in such a bad place. And his friends cannot believe that God has allowed this to happen to him. And they said, where is your God? Where is God in this situation? What I love about this psalm is that David... David's just totally honest about his suffering. He doesn't doesn't suppress it. He doesn't bury it. He names it. And that's quite something for a king who's supposed to look like he's got it all together. A king who's meant to project power and confidence. But he doesn't do that. He just lays his heart out. He's really honest. He doesn't suck it up. And you know what he does? He sits with it. He lays it out and he sits with it. And he allows the Spirit of God to interact with him in his pain. And for many of us, that would be a great starting place for emotional health. It would be a great starting place to create an inventory of the times when we've experienced pain and loss and grief. And just open-handedly sit with it and invite God to interact with us on it. I don't know if you've ever done that. I don't know if you've ever written down all the times in your life where you've suffered loss and pain and grief and then you've just said, God, talk to me about this. Talk to me about this. Minister to me through these experiences. I wonder if you would like to do that sometime this week. What would that look for you? What would it look like? Now for some of us you might need professional counselling and there will be a few of us in the room today that need professional counselling. And if you do um, and you, you know, you're thinking to yourself, I need counselling for this, then just talk, talk to us. We'll point you in the right direction. Or if you've got a counsellor, make the appointment. But there are others of you who might think about doing something called Emmanuel Prayer, which is where two, two other people from the church sit with you and they do exactly that. They allow the Holy Spirit just to interact with you in the midst of your pain and suffering. Or it may be that you want to uh, form a triplet with two other people. It doesn't, um, doesn't have to be a, a, a tough thing to do or a long-term thing to do. You might just do it for a short term. So let's, spend two, let's get three people together and just spend a few weeks just going through some of this stuff. People you trust. Psalm 42, David's counsel is don't suck it up. Don't rub it better, but do two things. One is be honest with yourself. First of all, be honest with yourself. Secondly, be honest with God. And then be honest with other people. That's probably the hardest one. The second thing is to trust and hope in the Spirit of God. Speaking to himself, David says this, By day the Lord directs his love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Saviour and my God. What, what is the gospel of Jesus, friends? The gospel of Jesus is that someone died called Jesus, and it was resurrected. All right. Therefore, in our pain and our loss and in our grief, there is life. There is life beyond. There is resurrection. You don't have to stay dead in your pain and in your loss and in your suffering. That is the gospel of Jesus. It's the same as this Psalm 42. And you might wonder, well, how does that work? Well, that's the gospel that finds its way backwards through history, through Jewish history as we read it in the Bible, and forwards in time right up to the present day that in the midst of our pain and loss, the Spirit of God is right there with us, that we are not alone. Friends, pain and loss changes us, and the question we need to ask ourselves, are we going to let it change us for the worse or the better? Um, God has not wired us to hide our pain and loss from one another. Quite the opposite. We are most alive when we are connected to other people in our pain and loss and where we share compassionately and sympathetic with each other in our pain and loss. That's where we are most alive. So if you're sitting there suffering with pain and loss and you're not told anyone else about it, someone you trust, someone who can be compassionate and sit with you in the midst of that and invite God to interact with you on that. I just want to gently encourage you to change that situation and find someone you can put your trust in and share this with. Because you're not meant to deal with it by yourself. It's not the way we're made. Our emotional health and our spiritual health depends on us doing this. Within the context of our church, we need to create safe contexts and space for us to do this with one another. And That's what we're committed to doing um, as a community Uh, our liturgy needs to reflect this our songs need to reflect this as they often do because this is this is what we're called to do we're called to walk with one another whoever that person may be through our pain and loss and suffering that we experience from time to time and we're not meant to share it sorry, we're not meant to go through life not sharing it we're meant to share it with each other now as I share this message with you today, we've obviously been hearing once again about um, just horrific stories of, of pain and suffering from another part of the world, from Israel and Palestine and Gaza, and um, we uh, coincidentally, it was a bit of a coincidence, but uh, Sam wrote to us this week to say, we don't intercede very much together as a church, do we? That is, pray together about difficult situations in the world. And. Uh, and, and that was, our response was, you're right. We don't do it partly because we're at, we don't routinize it. We don't say, right, do, on this week we're gonna do that. But we're gonna do it today. And Sam's gonna come and lead us in that.
1: okay loss pain and conflict are everywhere in our beautiful wild and broken world let's bring to god some of the world's needs in prayer i'd like to invite you to stand if you would like to do that as i mentioned several places where conflict is currently raging I will leave space for you to pray quietly in your heads and hearts. It's fine to have no words or even just to call on the name of Jesus repeatedly. The situation in Israel and Gaza has been overwhelming this week, and all I have prayed from my gut is, Lord have mercy. It might be helpful to pray for the peacemakers in each place I name, for the Christians, Pray for vulnerable and suffering people and for all those caught up in the conflict. Be guided by the Holy Spirit. The silence might feel a bit awkward, but go with it. Let's pray first for Israel-Palestine. Lord have mercy. Let's pray for the war in Ukraine. It's currently, uh, today is day 599 of the invasion by Russia. Lord have mercy. Let's pray for the country and people of Sudan who have been at war for six months. This brutal war continues to inflict immeasurable suffering, endangering lives, displacing millions from their homes and causing deaths in areas far from the front lines. lord have mercy let's draw near to home now and finally bring ourselves to god let's offer to him our brokenness disappointments and pain in the knowledge that he always hears us and is always faithful ask for his help and for his healing if you need courage to seek therapy or open up to family or friends then ask god for that too and now a blessing for us. May the love of God surround us like a blanket around our shoulders. May our dusty souls be revived by the spirit like a cup of cold water on a hot day. When our hope is diminished under the weight of trouble, may it be renewed within us. May we know peace each day and speak peace to those we meet. Amen.